Oh, I saw this f- a funny, funny quote. I think it was from Jordan Peterson. Um, and he was talking to somebody. I think it was him. And he, he said, uh, we'll leave it up to the centrists on both sides to come up with the answer. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? Can you do it in your best Jordan Peterson, though? Uh, we're going to leave it up to the centrists on both sides to come up with the answer on this one. I can't do a very good Kermit, but that's my best yeah. <laughs> best attempt. There needs to be a lot more random pauses and searching for exact phrases so that you don't, like, you know, yeah. indict yourself. Um, it is the uh, liberals on uh, both sides who will have to come up with the answer on, on this issue. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Part-Time Podcast. My name is Chris, and this week I'm joined by my full-time friends, Tim. Ahoy, hoy. And Addison. Addison! This week we're recording episode 75, and um, we have the special, I guess it's like the special features episode, because I can see both of their faces while we're recording. (laughs) Webcams! I don't know if this wasn't news to everybody, but we weren't doing that before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and I don't have a uh, webcam on my computer right now because my computer is too powerful for one. It would <laughs> instantly explode the camera if it was plugged in because of all the frames per second I'm getting. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll change that. This yeah. Week. Well, I mean, to be fair, Chris, you can see Addison's face. However, I'm doing like a home improvement neighbor. What was that guy's name? Wilson? Yes. Yeah, Wilson. Yeah. I'm doing a Wilson thing <laughs> with my microphone so that Chris only sees my nose and eyes. Well, the eyes are the windows to the soul, so yeah. that's all he needs. Yeah. Let me look at the camera. Yeah. <laughs> Tim's constantly doing a Wilson wherever he goes around town, so that's not really that different. Yeah, I dude, I'm a I've been a fan of the mask thing. Uh-huh. Like I bought these super awesome masks uh, i'll shout them out gator bandit uh um, gator bandit you can get them on gatorbandit.com uh that's my homie jake simmons mm. uh-huh. uh started that company and they are essentially like those gators like the you know the the the, the tube sock that people wear on their faces oh i thought you were talking about gators the sunglasses no no these are like you know like they sell them at home depot and lowe's mm-hmm. where it's like literally mm-hmm. a, a sock you put over your face uh-huh. uh but this it's that material but it, it's got paisley on it like a bandana hmm. and uh you just tie it in the back it's shaped like a triangle so you get that like kind of cowboy yeah you know yeah. i'm about to rob this place feel desperado yeah and so like being a giant six foot six you know man wearing this and i always wear prescription sunglasses <laughs> so like i look like i'm about to rob everywhere yes. all the time mm-hmm. and i i feel super cool and so i'm like i'm just gonna keep doing this forever yeah like the mask band-aid that's my thing now yeah i'm almost sad to see the mask go because they were legitimately fun to yeah. see how pissed off some people would get about them <laughs> 
And like at first, I was definitely like not on board with masks. I was like, "Fuck this shit!" Especially because they came out out around summer. Mm-hmm. I was like, "This is fucking hot," and I have a beard. And I was sweating. Always mm-hmm. had a sweat mustache. Yep. But after like a month, I was like, "Oh, this is not that hard." Well, also, you have the men- like you have the benefit uh-huh. of people can't see your mouth. Yes. So you could like you don't have to smile at people anymore. Do, to like do a lot of nods. Rude. Like, yeah, everything is done with just like a, a <laughs> nod and a wink now. Yes. Uh-huh. I'm like Santa Claus. Yeah, are you? A little nod and a wink, like Yeah. Bing. They'll hit him with a little <laughs> and, bing. Yeah. No, no, and you, you go sh- first. Bing. Yeah. Then you show up at their house at midnight <laughs> in their fireplace. <laughs> just like just Santa whispers. Claus. <laughs> yes. Remember, remember, remember me. <laughs> remember me? I had my shopping cart and I let you go first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm here yeah. to take all the things you own. <laughs> <laughs> I was the cashier and you didn't return your cart. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Have you guys seen those like YouTube videos of like the I think he's called the cart Nazi. Oh my god. Where he's got these bumper like these magnets that yes. he throws on people's cars. Fucking love that guy. Yeah. People get so mad because he's like, hey, put your fucking cart back. Like, yeah. He's from like New Jersey <laughs> or like, something. I'm, I'm the cart Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so the magnets attract the carts to the car? Is that his whole plan? No, it says something like, I'm an asshole. <laughs> it literally is like, I didn't oh. put my cart back. Oh. Or like, okay. See, something along I those thought- lines. I thought where this was going is he was putting magnets on people's cars so that carts would be attracted and run into the car, <laughs> into oh, no. other people's cars. No, he he okay. goes over and like if you don't put your cart away, he starts yelling at you. Yeah, to like, hey, don't be an asshole. Put it away. It doesn't go there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and if you just like tell him to fuck off and drive away, he runs up to your car and throws a magnet on it <laughs> that's got like his website on it. Yeah, and <laughs> he posts all his videos. Yeah. Oh, wow. he's called the Cartnark. The Cartnark. Yeah, yes. that's what it is. Yeah. Yes. So, dude, those are so people get so like trying to fight him. Yes. Over putting your cart away. Yeah. Like, don't be an asshole. Put your cart. Put back. your cart away. What like, the fuck are you thinking? Like, why did? Why would you leave it in a parking stall? You might as well be littering. Yeah, because you know if that if you pull up <laughs> and the parking stall you want to park in the closest one to the store because mm-hmm. you're fat and lazy. Yes. Has a cart in it, mm. like you're not getting out of your car to move that. Right. You're just gonna like be fuming mad. Now you have to double back and find a, a yeah. parking spot further back. Right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about carts for me that's changed since COVID is I would park, you know, somewhat close to a, a cart return so I could pull one out and go into the store with a cart. Mm. But now I see the cart returns as like those are the dirty carts. The inside <laughs> carts are the clean carts. They're not I need clean to get- though. Now, oh, when, I know, but that's how I think about them. Now, when you would pull one out, would you pull it through the zipper, or would you go up and over your pants? <laughs> I'd push everything through until it came out the other side. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm I'm the type of person that no matter what I'm driving, I could be driving a total shitbox. Mm-hmm. I'm going to park in a spot that has no cars on either side. And you're going to like straddle that line so that you take two parking spots i I, one parking stall but like if it's the like far far away Mm -hmm. what's the furthest you're gonna walk like another hundred feet yeah it's not a lot like it's not that big of a deal yeah i I usually moonwalk to the store (laughs) 
Because I've been practicing. <laughs> so, so, oh, yeah. well, since we're on video, now you've said it. We need to see it. Nope, not until we live stream, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you guys heard um, it here. Join us for the live stream so you can see Addison Moonwalk. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We, we have been uh, discussing potential live stream solu- uh, situation for Stop this Stop looking so. at the camera. <laughs> Yeah. We talk about a lot of things that you all probably don't hear. So this is one of those times where you do get to hear it. Yeah. 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 Um okay. we got some voice messages like uh, a while back. We got like a, a batch of them. And mm-hmm. uh I, I feel like it's time to address one of them. It's been a it's been a couple episodes since we brought it up, but yeah. um our buddy Nautilum Smithers uh asked what the origin of the the saying don't quit your day job was <laughs> hey boys i, I got to bring something up that's been nagging me since the genesis of this podcast chris why why in the hell are you telling me not to quit my day job because the implication would be i'm doing something that you're aware of and i'm not good enough to support myself on it but you're saying it to your listeners so i don't know is it inside joke between between you and addison and timmy are you trying to tell us don't quit your jade job like no one else could cut it in the in the podcast world and so i should just you know put my my nose to the grinder and just work my you know eight to five nine to five whatever or what is that why are you telling me don't quit my day job is it just is it something am i missing something i'm i gotta be missing something there's gotta be a good explanation um let's hear it for me I feel like when we first started this thing, we were kind of struggling to figure out how we we're going to end it. And then Addison said, don't quit your day job. So we all just started saying it. And then one day, <laughs> nobody was saying it, but I kept saying it. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I mean, that goes back to like episodes, probably one through seven. We yeah, all said which it. Which nobody should listen to ever. Yeah. <laughs> terrible, terrible audio quality. <laughs> They're good content. Uh, don't get me wrong. Content is top notch. Mm-hmm. But uh you know, just go in knowing that those episodes are going to have some audio issues. But uh, yeah. uh, I don't think it was meant as a slight to anyone saying that, like, you know, you're not smart enough to get a different job. So don't quit the one you have. It's mostly like, you know, we're doing this part time. So, you know, we can't support ourselves doing this. So right. we're, we're telling right. you don't quit your day job just because we're here doing this part time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised he's he's never heard of that phrase, don't quit your day job. I'm sure he's heard of it, but he's wondering like why, why do- we say it. So if you don't know the origin of like what did we call ourselves before the part time podcast? O T P H J. Yeah. It was already taken. Yeah. Yeah. So we had to like pivot from over the he- over the pants hand job because there was a lot of rap songs about it. Apparently, like, yeah. What do you what Instagram rappers or whatever? What are they called? Mumble rappers. Uh, nope. Uh, SoundCloud. S- SoundCloud rappers. Yeah. There's a lot of SoundCloud SoundCloud rap songs about over the pants head jobs. Right. Uh, who'd have thought? Yeah, yeah, we didn't think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we quickly had to pivot to the part time podcast. Yeah. Which yeah. it just felt better. Yeah. And it, it was like coming home. And there are other part-time podcasts, apparently, but we're like the full-time part-time podcast. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we're the OGs. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when we were naming our show, um, we, you know, we obviously tried to search to see if there were any other uh, podcasts out there that had our same name. 
And when we did our search, there wasn't. And then when we released our episodes, <laughs> uh, it was like one or two episodes after we released ours, like a few others popped up. So like, I still maintain we're the original. Right. Uh, yeah. There are some pop-ups out there that are trying to uh, chomp our flavor a little bit, but... Chomp our flavor. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I've never heard that term. Yeah. No, that's, that's a Chris original right there. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, anyway, so that's that that's that. That's the story of that saying. Uh mm-hmm. if you don't know about anything that we say, just go type that phrase into Urban Dictionary and see what you get. Yeah. Yeah. Have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're very up to the lingo of the kids. Yeah. Okay, that's I mean we're very poggers, no cap. Yeah. <laughs> Frank or Z. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're super hip to the jive. XD. Yeah. Uh so just to piggyback on that, maybe we should get into this week's uh topics. Yeah, let's get in there. Hell yes, brother. So we, yeah, we're talking about the Midnight Library. I, I, Addison is the most recent one to have read this, I believe. Or did you finish it, Addison? I did finish it. Yes. Nice. Yeah. And this is your first fiction book ever. <laughs> <laughs> it might be the first fiction book this year. Wow. Okay. Five uh, months in. I, you know, I don't know if I read The Jungle this year. That counts. You did. That counts as fiction because you told me to. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be, in this scenario, the voice of uh, someone who thought the book wasn't that great. Really? Yeah. I mean, there was definitely some insightful points. Uh-huh. And, uh, the book is enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, but is it groundbreaking? Is it amazing? I'm going to get it a three out of seven. Whoa. Yeah. So I'm going to like, sh- I'm going to poo poo and shit. And crap and doo doo and caca all over whatever you say. Okay, yeah. I wasn't expecting that. I know. I was. I I was excited about reading this book because I got such a a positive review from Tim. And I don't care what Chris says about books, but <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, all right. Well, if Chris says it's good, if Tim Tim says it's good, this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was fine. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess before we get into it, should, I mean, well, I mean, you've given your three out of seven. Yeah. I mean, Chris, should we reserve our scores for the end? Because now we've had, uh, the prosecutor has given his opening statement. <laughs> like, can I, I mean, before we start our case, can we uh, defer our opening statements to then or, or what? Uh, sure. Like, I, I'd be curious to know the the reasoning, unless that reasoning was just like, you just gave it to us, and that's about as deep as it goes. Um, okay, I'll, I'll give you my criticisms first, I guess. Well, uh, before we oh, get okay. criticism, should we like discuss the book? Oh yeah, yeah. As a whole, yeah, like the, shit on the it? plot or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Okay, so essentially, this book starts with a woman in her mid early to mid thirties, yeah. uh, who is having a really bad day compounded on a pretty bad year yes um so she like it's a pretty intelligent woman who struggles with depression um her dad died 
uh, what when she was like younger, um, estranged from her brother. Yeah, estranged from her brother. Uh, her mother had died also, mm. quite young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she was supposed to be like an Olympic swimmer. Like she was like won the British Championship, uh, youth championship. You mm-hmm. know, like scheduled to go to the Olympics. Had a lot of promise in a lot of different locations. Right. So then one day when she's like 15, she decides that she doesn't want to swim anymore. Um, she doesn't like how much pressure is on her uh, because she is struggling with depression and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she, um, yeah, so she has a really shitty day. She ends up getting fired from her job because she shows up late. Which, by the way, I love the name of the place she works. She works at a music shop called String Theory. String Theory. And oh, that's yeah, like, right. <laughs> that's what the the book is basically about, String Theory. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in the first couple of chapters, it's just describing how terrible of a fucking day she's having. Yeah. And the way the boss fires her is so fucked up, too. Yeah, it's like basically calls her like a hog and it's like, we can't sell pianos because you're fucking ugly. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And so he like shits all over her. So she goes home and uh, when she gets home, she, her cat is not around. Oh, yeah. Then her neighbor knocks on the door oh. and is holding her dead cat mm-hmm. who is, uh, you know, in her thought process has just been hit by a car. And that was like, the straw on the camel's back for her. Mm-hmm. So she goes in, looks at her bottle of antidepressants, and just starts taking them until she falls asleep. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, that brings her to the Midnight Library. Yeah, and the, re- the rest of the t- book takes place in like the limbo between her having taken the pills and the time in which like she might die. Exactly, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, Chris, do you like want to go into like what the principle of the Midnight Library is and, and what's going on there? Sure, yeah. Uh, so the Midnight Library, she like she wakes up and she sees a building which she discovers is a library, and the librarian it like takes the the form of a teacher that she had when she was a kid that was like nice to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and the library allows her to, uh, and the librarian, they help her locate a book and the book when it's opened, takes her to a specific like decision that she had made in her life. And the book lets her live the opposite decision. So mm-hmm. like if she chose to quit swimming in this book, you know, she chose to continue swimming and see what it was like to be an Olympian, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so she gets all these different chances to live different parts of her life that could have been different. Um, and then the, uh, the whole thing is like, if she finds a life that fits, then she gets to live that life as if nothing happened. Uh, and then like, that's just her life now. Right. And so like, as time goes on in this alternate reality Mm -hmm. of this other life she's lived, if she, you know, really, if it's like really supposed to be the one eventually, um, she will completely forget about the library and the experience of her past life and, and attempting suicide. And she will, because when she goes into these new lives, she's bridled with the entire life memory of the old life and has no memories of, you know, what has happened from the point she made that decision up until the point where she's at her current age and and start when walking into this life. Good way of describing that is is she is she's bridled, 
Right. She's basically dropped into these new lives where, you know, a decision is different. Like she never gave up swimming or she never gave up music. Mm-hmm. And so she doesn't know these people in her life who are like her music manager's name is, you know, whatever. Joe. She doesn't know these people because she's never. What? Joe. Joe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a funny. Which but, is also her brother's name. Yeah. Yeah. Joanna and like Joe. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it, Which is I, I thought was fun of like her trying to figure out how who is who and mm-hmm. and why her brother is either talking to her or not talking to her or why her friends are talking to her or not talking to her um that was kind of an interesting point right um i i, I appreciated that that it was like it wasn't easy but i guess in, in if i were put in that scenario where i had infinite options of infinite choices it felt like i would choose more crazy things just for fun too like I'd be right. like, oh, okay, what if, like, the president of the United States was made out of cotton candy? Like, show me that universe. <laughs> well, so that's, that wasn't really what one of the options, you know, so. If, if it was infinite possibilities that life Based were, off of her personal decisions. Yeah, but couldn't there be a universe that exists where, because of a personal decision, the president of the United States made it, is made out of cotton candy? Well. I mean, so that is one thing that I found really interesting about the book is like based off of her decisions. I mean, some people were alive or dead. Yeah. At different periods mm-hmm. of time. Yeah. You know, marriages had like come and gone. Mm-hmm. A relationship with her brother had like either come or gone. Um, at one point when she's like wrapping up in, in one of her more, you know, later lives that she's picked, she says like, you know, I've lived. Every body type, every hairstyle, every mm-hmm. amount of body modification, she'd done it in all those different lives. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was interesting thinking about um, the concept of like nature versus nurture mm-hmm. almost in our in our lives is, you know, based off of a seemingly insignificant decision in some of these points mm-hmm. could determine so much about yeah. your outcome or your personality. Yeah. The thing I did like is in one of her lives, she chooses like, you know, what most people would conceive as the perfect life Mm -hmm. where she has this great husband and a kid and her life is happy. But because her life is happy, the, you know, underprivileged kid who she gave piano lessons to in her real life. Right. He is now a thief and the cops know him by name and and because because in her normal life, she was giving this kid piano lessons. He was, you know, on the straight and narrow, essentially. Mm-hmm. But because she wasn't existent in her, in his life, and this life, oh my God, it's so confusing. Um, <laughs> because she w- didn't exist in his life to give him piano lessons, there was no structure there. And so he becomes this, like, you know, hoodlum, basically. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think that was kind of the, to me, that was kind of the point of the whole book really is because she was able to enter into all these different lives and experience a certain facet of it but she wasn't allowed to at least immediately uh have the life experiences of that version of her that she's inhabiting now Mm -hmm. you know to the point where like she doesn't know her manager's name she doesn't know the city she's in when she's performing her songs you know like uh she didn't she didn't know like what she had said on a news interview three weeks ago when she's the, you know, an Olympic swimmer, that type of thing. Yeah. Like, I think to me, the whole thing is structured to show that 
like exactly what you said, like she carries her life experiences with her into all these lives, but she doesn't get the other lives experiences with her as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's like the, the whole point of it is to show her that these lives are unattainable because you, you can't bring your life experience with you into something like this and expect to have a different outcome. Right. Oh, okay. Hmm. Like the outcome of her choosing her own life to go back to was always inevitable. She just needed to experience enough of these lives to realize that. Mm-hmm. Um, that and uh, it really reminded me a lot of that one episode of Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country, where that woman like travels through space and time and experiences like uh, multitudes of herself. Uh-huh. Um, like I got that same vibe from this book a little bit because. Like I, what I got out of it is like all of these different experiences existed inside of her at the same time, um, and they were all versions of her. And she realized she was capable of all of them, mm-hmm. but she didn't need to live that life to be her. She just needed to know she was capable. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, and ultimately, I feel like the whole like gist of the book was. You know, yeah, you have these capabilities, but also, like, regardless of her choosing any of those decisions, there was always an issue in them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. like things weren't perfect, mm-hmm. you know, so none of these seemingly perfect existences that she could have chosen were le- legitimately perfect. You know, they all had their consequences based off of her decisions right. to varying levels of degree. Um, to you know, her parents splitting up, or her brother overdosing, overdosing from drugs. You know, like they're in all of these scenarios. That you know, maybe if you look at like parallels from your own life, you think, well, you know, what if I, you know, coach would have put me in in the fourth quarter, yeah, and we won state, yeah, you know, like how great would my life would have been yep soaking it up with my soulmate in a hot tub right yeah i mean i could have like been peak rico yeah um you know (laughs) but ultimately like there would have been some compromise made that would have still Mm -hmm. undoubtedly caused some sort of unhappiness because something that happens in most all of her other existences you know because she was trying to get away from this like depression that Mm -hmm. she has. And in a lot of these other lives, she's on some sort of antidepressant, right? You know, whether, you know, prescribed or self medicating Mm -hmm. to some extent. Yeah. One aspect I felt like could have been explored more was, um, the fact that there are other people in other midnight libraries. Yeah, so they only bring up the one guy. Yeah. His was a video store. Yeah. But yeah. she met with him several times throughout different mm-hmm. potential existences. I think, I think he calls them sliders. Yeah, yeah, that was the term he used. Yeah, so um, he calls them sliders. And I almost feel like maybe it's up for interpretation, but because there's infinite options of different lives you can live, he might have chose a life where he gets to fuck another slider. Okay. Yeah, because he specifically was like, hey, you're another slider, aren't you? Oh, so that was his his alternate reality was something that he had manufactured to get with her. Yes. Not I necessarily never her, thought of that. Not necessarily her, per se, but anybody who is another slider, he's trying to fuck them. Yeah. 
try to fuck all the sliders out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, because he had mentioned that he had met many other sliders. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So he's just a little fuck boy for sliders. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was a very attractive Italian man. He was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or French. What was it? I think he was French. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know the difference. <laughs> That's Cause, apparent. Because there is none. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh. I mean, I personally, I really liked the book. And mm-hmm. I think what I liked about it was maybe the ideas that in my own life, I could be maybe a little more okay with decisions that mm-hmm. I've made. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like at varying degrees, I can recognize in my own history where I made a choice where it was clear and obvious that there was another path I could have taken. Mm -hmm. And there maybe is like a a tinge of regret in what, you know, what that life could have yielded. Right. Um, And what this kind of made me think of was that ideal of, well, I don't know what I'd be giving up to have lived that existence and not have what I have now. Yeah. You know? Um, so, I mean, I really enjoyed it because of that aspect. It it made me kind of, you know, think introspectively mm-hmm. and I am like on this big introspective kick mm-hmm. uh, of trying to determine like, just because of what's going on in my life, like what the fuck I'm going to do next. You know, I've like been in this big flux for kind of like two and a half years, almost three years of not really knowing what I'm doing. Um, where there was a clear choice that I could have gone and taken another job and and worked at that company. And I'm watching how that company is growing and thriving and seeing how the, what the people are doing and thinking, well, that could have been me. Mm -hmm. I could have had that. Yeah. And and so there's been some like kind of second guessing on what I, Mm -hmm. what that's been doing um, lately. So this, this book, this recommendation, Chris hit me, I feel like at a really good time um, of this, you know, personal introspective period that, uh, you know, made me a lot more okay with the choices that I've made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I have a similar feeling for the book too, because like, um, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know if I needed the book to have some sort of groundbreaking epiphany for me or whatever, like mm-hmm. by the end of it, because for me, like, I I had a feeling how the book was going to end and when it ended that way like I was okay with it because like it was more for me it was more about like the thing the observations she was able to communicate during her individual um slides into these other lives mm-hmm. which is what uh what hit home for me a little bit cuz I sort of have like a natural inclination to 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 look back a little bit and be like, Oh, I wish I would have done this or wish I would have done that. Mm-hmm. And what I got out of the book was more like it, you can do that. And you know, there's, there's healthy ways to do that, but also um, the decisions you make are make you who you are. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you were to change any of those decisions, like you're no longer you to it, to an extent. Right. Yeah. Um, and like who you are now is almost inevitable because if you were even able to go back 
like how would you even know you could make a different choice you know mm-hmm. are you always stuck making the same choice and is the only way to make a different choice is to be confronted with the two choices with the knowledge that you can change one right like right yeah yeah um so for me it was more like that thought of who you are is the choices you make and then you're always going to make this the choices you make because like you're you and so you're just going to make the choices that you would make and mm-hmm. like that's okay cuz like there's going to be regret and like life is full of regret and life is full of like hard choices but it's those that help educate you to be who you are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so i i don't know like i i left the book with a feeling of of like fulfillment with what i read and like the i was okay with the ending in a way where a lot of books i've read it's like ah, i wish this would happen i wish that would have ha- would have happened and i was like no i'm i'm okay with this like mm-hmm. it's i like where she ended up but more so i like where i ended up and i think that's that's why i resonated with the book so much nice yeah so i'd be willing to bump my myself up to a 4 out of 7 it's still not a very good rating i know um <laughs> but now that I've like talked this over with you guys, like I remember a lot of what the teacher, what's her teacher's name? I don't remember. Miss Doubtfire. <laughs> uh, Nelson? Uh, maybe. I don't know. So there's the teacher yeah. in, inside the midnight library, the librarian. Um, she has a lot of really good sayings. Yeah. Really good, like little quippy, pithy things um, that I almost want to like write down on post it notes and like put on my mirror like I'm 17 and about to start college. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're all really good sayings. It makes me really want to read more Thoreau because Thoreau gets quoted a lot and yeah. he gets, you know, referenced a lot. And he's great, by the way, if you haven't read him, I have him. I don't, I've read nothing from him. Oh, so good. Makes me want to read more Thoreau. Um, which is always good to read, want to read more. Um, um, and I was trying to like, while I was listening to this, I was trying to make like some sort of parallel back to my own life. Cause I, I don't think I feel a lot of regret personally. Um, and, but I made the, actually made the weird connection back to meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, because, um, the main character, she keeps on like trying these different lives. And eventually at one point in the book, she kind of gets tired of doing that. And she's like, what's the point of this? Right. And the librarian, the teacher, she's like, you just got to keep on doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I made that connection back to meditation. Um, that like a lot of people and for me specifically is often, I feel like, you know, what's the point of always centering back to my breath? Mm-hmm. If I can, if I can advance more, but it's, uh, in meditation, like centering back to your breath is a part of honing your blade of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And you can't cut any deeper into that onion of consciousness if your blade is not sharp enough. Yeah. And so I made that connection with her of like, she's not ready to like accept the full package of, of her reality and what she actually wants until she goes through a lot of experiences of what she does not want. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate that about the book of like, you can't, you can't appreciate the flavor of vanilla until you've tasted sorbet and realize that sorbet is fucking disgusting. Yeah. I mean, you can't (laughs) taste the sugar without the salt. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing specifically about that librarian that I, the entire time, I just wanted to like yell at this girl and be like. You're the fucking librarian. Yes. 
Like, you think that she's giving you all these deep, introspective ideals, but that's you, bitch. Yes. Like, you're having these (laughs) thoughts that you are the librarian. Yeah. Yeah, there's multiple times where she's like, well, I thought about asking her or saying this to her, but she already knew the answer. Like, how do you not realize that you are the, you are the, not only the librarian, but you're the entire uh, Midnight Library. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she keeps searching for the librarian in her other lives mm-hmm. to, like, feel like she's going to give her these, like, epiphany-type quotes yeah. that she's getting in the while she's in the library. And it's like, but that's been you the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know that I would want the option to live other lives I- in the limbo state between life and death, if there is one, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I would want to be given that option. What about you? I I would, definitely, just to see how things turned out. Yeah. I mean, if the other option is, like, just disappearing into, like, nothingness abyss, because that's kind of my personal belief system, is that, you know, when we're dead, we're dead, and and a bit of us, a bit of our consciousness just gets regenerated back into the global consciousness, like... We just get poured back into the well that everybody's drawing from. Mm-hmm. Um, like, fuck yeah, I wanted like, let me take another sip. Yeah. Let me, let me check out, let me like download into another fucking Matrix file and, and see what's going on there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think it would be cool to see what the other possibilities were. If I hadn't oh, torn my ACL my sophomore year of high school, <laughs> like what, uh-huh. who would Tim be? You yeah. know? Yeah, <laughs> I guess like if you're if if it is a situation where it's just like how the book presented it, where there's the possibility of inhabiting one of these lives and continuing on uh-huh. versus it being more of a gallery type thing where you could just go around and check out like, oh, I could have done this or I could have done that. But it really doesn't change anything in the end. You uh-huh. know, like I, I don't I don't know if I would find that productive in like a real world type thing yeah that's one thing i didn't understand is like when she jumps into these alternate realities it seems like these realities exist and that her actions have repercussions yeah and then she pieces out yeah and that person has to keep on living yeah so like what would what would you do if somebody jumped into your skin and like made a few decisions over the course of a week however they thought your life should be and then pieced mm-hmm. out, and now you are like stuck picking up the pieces of like, why did I open up a checking account at Wells Fargo? Like Tim specifically <laughs> told me that this bank is fucked. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I like that the way they explain that in the book too, where they're like, "Well, have you ever just walked into a room and forgotten why you were there?" And yes. I was like, "Oh, wow, <laughs> I didn't think about that." Yeah. Well, I mean, they really confront it any time she has these experiences with the other slider, of you know, like. There's one point where they're like having a conversation and he's like, oh, like he they got, you know, the, the other slider disappears and yeah. she's and he's like, oh, I'm I'm sorry. um Who who are you? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Because they're like mid conversation or whatever. And she's like, it's OK. You don't remember. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like, <laughs> OK, that's co-. You know, so I like that. Like you're saying, like, you're really just like test driving these realities that they're going to experience you know they're going to continue one way or another yeah yeah 
Yeah. There's a lot of so, different concept, concepts that sh- the author could have explored a little bit more, I felt. And it wasn't a long book. It was maybe six hours. Yeah, it's pretty short. Yeah. Um, They could have added two hours of the audiobook or the, I don't know, whatever that is, 200 pages of the real book. Mm-hmm. Um, They could have added more and kind of played with that a little bit, but I feel like that wasn't their goal. They were more concerned with, like, the development of the character. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I get what they're going for, but I appreciate playing around the sandbox some more. Yeah. Okay. I see that's why you would rate it that way. Yeah. Maybe it'll be a, a YA novel trilogy sometime <laughs> soon. <laughs> um, um, but, I mean, yeah. So, I guess now that Addison's landed on his 4 out of 7, I'd probably give this like a 5.7 out of 7. Ooh. Like, it's a good rating. It was very enjoyable. I highly recommend that other people read it. I, I recommend that you go into it with the attitude of allowing for some introspection yes. into your own life, um, regardless of whether or not it like moves you forward or opens you up or whatever, like uh, allow yourself to think because yeah. it's a fun, easy book that has a lot of different characters but it's very short snippets with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, allow yourself to uh, maybe consider the possibility that this is real. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd agree. I'd probably give it about a five out of seven as well. Uh, I enjoyed it. I I, I think for it, it, for me, it was like an easy book to put on while I was doing something else. So mm-hmm. that way I could like let my mind wander a little bit as it was uh as it was playing so that way i could like you know have that ability to have the the free space to think while it was while it was happening right um and the narrator i felt like did a phenomenal job oh yeah so top-notch narrator narration if you're going to do an audible Mm -hmm. uh but i recommend it as well uh so hopefully if the listeners read it you know well if you read it and you liked it or read it and you didn't like it, let us know. Uh, you can email us at uh, pt.podcasters at gmail.com. Uh, you can send us a message on our Instagram or our Twitter. Uh, email is probably a little bit easier way to get a hold of us. Or, better yet, leave us a voicemail. Uh, yes, go please. to uh, ptpod.fun and click the voicemail button. And uh, it's free, it's easy, and it's quick. Yep. Hell yeah. And we'd love to get, like, we are thoroughly excited every time we get one of those voicemails yep. we fanboy out every time yeah we send them to <laughs> yeah. each other and then we talk about like oh who do you think this is and whoa we we talk crap about your uh vocal intonations uh-huh and we make all sorts of conspiracy theories about maybe your uh sexual orientation and maybe your profession yep also all sorts the, of we 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 put you on a sliding scale of how likely we believe you will kill us at yes. some point. <laughs> yes. Or, or like are waiting yeah. outside of our window. Like, you know that I always leave Addison's house on recording nights, like around 1130. Like, yeah. are you out yeah. by my car right yeah. now? Like, are you? Yep. You have to tell me if you are. Yep. And when we get enough of them, we play murder. What is it? Murder, Mary kill or whatever, or murder, fuck, kill, fuck, Mary kill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mur- yeah. Murder, Mary and kill. <laughs> yeah wow we have that we have a whole uh extended universe that exists beyond this (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah um oh and uh yeah 
uh, Nautilus Smithers has ranked us all, so maybe it's about time we start ranking all of you. Good point. Yes. How fun could that be? (laughs) Um, All right, well, should we uh, head on to the next segment? Hell yeah, brother. I started reading a book this week called Treasure Islands, uh, a history of uh, the people who stole the world, essentially. Okay. But this book is all about the history of offshoring money mm-hmm. and how that economy is essentially destroying the world, Man. but it's completely driven by right-wing capitalism. Oh, I wish I read this before you did. Oh, man. It is a trip. Yeah. I like just got to chapter seven. Every single chapter blows my mind. Yeah. It, it is. <laughs> it's just, it's wild. What do the, I not have? I have probably the best book recommendations, bar none. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I haven't even read it and it's a good recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what What do these islands get out of it? Nothing? They get all the money. They get industry. Yeah. yeah. So, for instance, Turks and Caicos, something like 35,000 people. Mm-hmm. They have 27,000 businesses registered Ooh. on their island. Wow. Because they're still, a, and it's like they call it the British spider web, mm-hmm. because they're still, they're independent, quote unquote, but they are still essentially run by Great Britain. Like the Queen is that they're their queen, yeah. right? She's their leader. And then they elect a governor who has only ever been a man in the entire existence of all these islands. They've mm. only ever elected a man. Just like America. To be its leader. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, these, these, like the Cayman Islands has a $1.7 trillion GDP for a country with half a million people. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Half a million people. That's less than we have, but they have a trillion dollars. 1.7 trillion. And like Germany, for instance, which is also like a tax haven, like a, one of these treasure islands. Mm -hmm. Um, they've got a $1.7 billion. Wow. Or 1.8 billion. Fuck. So Sweden, Sweden's slipping then, huh? Or Switzerland. It's, so, yeah. Well, well, Switzerland claims that it's the f- you know the first and the oldest, but it doesn't even come in comparison to how bad the United States is mm. with its uh, tax, tax shelters. Really? Yeah. For like other countries or for Americans? Both. Really? Yeah. That's like the like Joe Biden, who's was previously the representative for Delaware. Mm-hmm. Like Delaware is a state that has like a couple million people. And almost as many businesses registered as doing business there. I mean, Trans American Auto Parts was registered as an affiliate, as a corporation in Delaware. Mm -hmm. And, you know, DBA does four wheel parts doing business out of Compton. Jeez. But its corporate structure is incorporated in Delaware. Wow. Uh, The country of Jersey, which is like a little island next to, like on the British Isles. Yeah, yeah. And it's, 
it's basically Great Britain, like it should be part of Great Britain, but they've kept it separate for the extent, like it, the only purpose they keep it separate is so they could be like, well, we don't control Jersey and they could do whatever they want with their finance oh. law. Fuck, dude. <laughs> Even though it's like, literally, you, it's like going to Wales or Scotland, like you literally just cross this imaginary border and now you're in Jersey. Yeah. Like, it it's always blows me away. And still surprises me to this day how capitalism is just legalized corruption. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's very frustrating. Yeah. It, yeah, they put but, they put laws in place so that other people can't get any money, but if you're smart enough, you can get around the laws so that you can get the money, but they're not happy about it. But if you already had right. the money, then it's okay. They are happy about that. Yeah. Wow. A- another country is like a, a mid- Western country on the coast of Africa, um, called what was it? It's like it's in the center, so it's like Nigeria's in the north, Angola's in the south, and the middle is this Gabon. Mm. Dang, your ge- geography's good. So, the <laughs> president of Gabon was this guy who was basically elected by the French government to take power when they discovered that they could exploit its oil properties. And it's it's minerals and and use it as a tax haven, and and so to this day, it is not associated as any longer being a French occupied territory. Mm-hmm. However, France occupies a an embassy that has tunnels directly to the president's manor that is continuously guarded by French military. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and the the leader of the country was the president of the country for 46 years. Whoa. And now his son is the president since his death in 2009. Dude, why isn't QAnon mad about this shit? (laughs) Yeah. Because they're part of this shit. God damn it. Oh my God. (laughs) And it's all been run by like right wing conservatives coming out of France. God, so fucking greedy. Mm -hmm. Like all these countries that you think like Switzerland. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, they go way into Switzerland. I thought Switzerland was great because they were neutral. Yeah, they were like, cool. No, they (laughs) literally hid all of Adolf Hitler and uh, Joseph Mengele's money. All that Jew gold. All the gold that was taken from the teeth fillings and crowns and their wedding rings and melted down after they signed a treaty with the the Allies saying they wouldn't do business with the Nazis anymore, Mm -hmm. they received... 390 tons of confiscated gold that had been melted down from the in, in, uh, from these concentration camps. Wow. God damn it, dude. What the Three fuck? months later. It's so fucking, like, <laughs> insane. Yeah. And, and they were selling goods and services to the Nazis. Yeah. As well as to the, who were on their northern border, and the Italians mm. on their southern border, <sighs> to Mussolini. Yeah. And to Japan, like they shadow supplied them. Like when the Nazi party ran out of money two thirds of the way through World War II, mm-hmm. Switzerland bankrolled them. Oh my God. Like 800 million Swiss francs. <laughs> so they could keep going. They, they, they gave it to them as credit to continue buying goods and services from Switzerland. It's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Yeah. 
And I'm only seven chapters into this book, guys. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what's the name of this book again? Uh, the book is called Treasure Islands, subtitled Tax Havens and the Men Who Stole the World. Hmm. Well, there you go, kids. Yeah. If you're interested in reading something that'll get you angry. <laughs> yeah. Get you a little sad. Get you a little depressed. Mm -hmm. Make you want to maybe throw some bricks into a fucking bank. Yeah. <laughs> not that I'm suggesting that, you know, I'm just, you know, maybe that's what you feel like doing. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not condoning it or advocating it in any means, mm -hmm. but I could definitely understand someone who would want to do that. Yeah. I wouldn't be angry at you if you did. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. But which bank though? Any, All of them. Any bank. Morgan Stanley Chase was Wells, like... Wells Fargo? Yeah. The, I mean, these are banks that completely tax-sheltered all war efforts going back to World War I, like bankrolled and created these wars so that they can inflate their positions in the world. Yeah. If there were a bank in our Minecraft world, I would burn it down. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys ever heard about how, like... Fucked Wells Fargo was. At what point? <laughs> yeah, because I, I your range on it, please. Because <laughs> I had listened to like a couple of podcasts on this, and like they were, they were, they had all these. Um, what do you call it when you have like goals or metrics that you have to meet? KPIs. Oh, yeah. No, the um, quotas. Quotas. Yes. Uh, yeah. So they had all kinds of quotas of opening new accounts, and they just couldn't meet their quotas. So they created fake accounts. Not only they would go into like your account at Wells Fargo, yeah, and open up a checking and a savings account, right? Or apply for a home loan, yeah, or apply for a credit card, and <laughs> yeah. then like cancel it the next month so that you didn't realize because right. most people don't look at their accounts. Mm -hmm. Um, but they would open up tons of accounts on people's things just to meet these quotas, and then they'd have all these like weird fees, like these ghost fees on people's accounts of like, oh, well, you had. Less than fifty dollars in your checking account for half a minute, so we're gonna charge you a hundred dollars. Right, and they just like fucked people over. Well, yeah, I mean, all banks have some sort of. If you're poor, we're going to establish a way to maintain how poor you are. Yeah, or put you even further in in the red. It's a poor tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you if your account dropped below fifty dollars, and because of that. Like, maybe you also overdrafted on your account, so there was, like, a fee there, and then you overdrafted, so there's a fee there, and now that you overdrafted and you're below $50, now there's an additional fee for going under, and now because of that fee, you're, again, under $50, so they just, like, is a compounding fees that never ended. Right. How are they Insane. still in business? Because the United States government bailed them out. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Republican-controlled uh, United States government bailed them out at the time? That's the one. That's yeah. It, yep. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. The way that banking works is you put your money into a bank, mm -hmm. and you expect that that's your money. Yes. But they actually own the property of your funds mm -hmm. and have legal rights to do whatever they want with them. Right. So I, I just, I read another book okay. while I was in Texas uh -huh. that was, oh, I think it was in the, it might've been in the jungle uh -huh. where they talk about banking yes. and how if you, okay, so here's an imaginary bank, right? It gets created mm -hmm. and there's $0 in assets in that bank. Mm -hmm. 
And a guy comes in who's a contractor, opens an account, and puts a million dollars in your bank. Okay. So your bank now has a million dollars. Right. What they're allowed to do is off of that asset is they can lend up to 10x of that dollar amount really? of your money to somebody else. So in this example, you do you put your million dollars in and you're the only person in this bank. Mm-hmm. So now another person in the town decides that they want to get a loan because they want to create a bakery. Mm-hmm. And this bakery needs a million dollars to build this uh, this bakery out. And they hire that contractor who would put a million dollars in the bank. Mm-hmm. So they receive a loan for a million dollars and give that million dollars to the contractor to do the job to build your bank or build their bakery. Mm-hmm. Now their the contractor takes that money and deposits it into his account. Mm. So how much money does the contractor have in the bank? You should have two million. How much money is in the bank? One million. Exactly. Fuck. And so it can go on and on that way. Yeah. Where when this guy, as the contractor, gets almost done with the job and says, hey, you know what? We actually need another $500,000 to fix it, to mm-hmm. finish this. So the woman goes to the bank, borrows another $500,000. From the contractor, technically. From the bank. Yes. And gives it to the contractor. Oh, my God. So now the contractor has $2.5 million account balance. Oh, my God. How much money is actually in the bank? One million. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And they're allowed to do that up to 10x of their technical account balance. So what you're saying is we need to start a bank. (laughs) Good fucking luck. Why are they allowed to do that? That seems illegal. Because in their idea, under capitalism, Mm -hmm. the idea is that you being the contractor are going to hire people in your local economy to do jobs. Yeah. And that bakery is going to employ people when it opens. Mm-hmm. So it's this principle, this idea that banking will continue, will by influxing money that doesn't exist, you will create an economy that in turn, that woman is going to pay that bank loan back mm-hmm. over a certain amount of time through the business that she gains by purchasing, by selling baked goods. Man. I almost feel like private banks shouldn't exist. Well, all of these banks are also insured by the federal government. Uh, FDIC. So, uh, you know, so you can take all that money and go in and say, you know what? I've got $2.5 million in this bank. I would like to withdraw my entire account. Mm -hmm. And that bank, knowing that they only have a million, will give you your $2.5 million, claim it as a loss to the federal government, and in return will receive $2.5 $2.5 million to cover the loss. What's the point of having a bank then? Just to have the federal <laughs> government run banks. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Why not? Because somebody in the middle has to make money. Well, yeah. <laughs> and you know who that is? The Jews. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't say that kind of stuff when we're on a live stream. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's so wild the way that like U.S. banking, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was one of the other books I read while I was, yeah, because I don't think it went into that detail. Mm-hmm. And, but that was the example that they used in this about about what U.S. banking looks like That's, in reality. It's insane. Yeah.
So I read a book uh, a while back, so uh, you'll have to forgive me if I forget anything. But I read I a book. I won't forgive you. Never forgive me. Please never forgive me for anything. That's an important thing I always say in life. Like, forgiveness is overrated. <laughs> never forgive yourself for any mistake you've ever made. Yep. Uh, always hold that with you till the day you die. When you're trying to fall asleep at night. Think about it. Think about it. Incessantly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I read a book um, a while back. Um, as I went through my reading list here with with the boys, um, it's called Kingfish. It's by Richard D. White Jr. Okay, um, and it's about Huey Long, who was an American politician in oh, where do they have all the gambling water boats and and Creole Mississippi, Louisiana, no, Louisiana, where, New where? Orleans, New Orleans, not Nolens, Nolens, Nolens. I'm pretty sure he was in charge of. Of uh, the entire state okay. where New Orleans occurs, Louisiana. Which, can I say first and foremost, like Mardi Gras is fucking disgusting. It, what would make you say that? Yeah. I I've been to it, and like the, in New Orleans, yes. Okay. When I was living in Florida, when uh-huh. I was stationed in Florida, um, I knew somebody whose aunt lived in New Orleans, uh-huh. and so we went there for Mardi Gras. Uh-huh. And these people are fucking psychos. Yeah. They're like Disney adults. <laughs> I fucking hate these people so bad. If you're a listener and you live it, first of all, I don't apologize. <laughs> so they were like, okay, like we're going to go to the parade and like try to get beads. And they were like, try to get as many beads as possible. You can keep whichever ones you like the best, but we want the rest of whatever you don't want. Okay. And I was like, why do you want beads you fucking weirdo <laughs> and they're they're like oh well we saved them from the year before to throw on our float the next year okay I'm like okay but these things are like a penny each like just buy a bunch and then throw whoa them. whoa dude i mean this is a plastic this is a <laughs> a, a forever chemical that you're suggesting that people <laughs> just keep reproducing and buying nonstop. Okay, I'm not suggesting that now, but at the time, okay, okay, I was like, okay. this is a child's toy. Mm-hmm. Why do you want yeah. to save this child's toy? And maybe they're doing it for economical reasons or whatever. Sure. Uh, I'm sure that they are fiscally responsible individuals. Yes. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the parade, there's like hundreds of these stupid beaded necklaces in the streets. Uh-huh. And it like a street sweeper comes by and like picks them up and probably throws them away and they end up in like I don't know Somalia Africa and and inside the the left nostril of a dolphin or something yeah for sure in our oceans <laughs> <laughs> okay where was I okay so this politician uh-huh. um he is essentially what you would get if you made a love child between Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders you have to explain that <laughs> so the rhetoric of donald trump where he gives everybody these like wacky nicknames that are like borderline offensive mm-hmm. and they almost stick to a point where like you know i i can't think about elizabeth warren without thinking about pocahontas yeah oh <laughs> right that's so fucked up or like shifty shifty whatever his name is shifty Schaefer. shift yeah or um i don't know that all the stupid nicknames he gave but like he gave everybody these stupid nicknames uh-huh. and he was also very into um, taking money from whatever program that he created and using it to enrich himself and enrich those around him. Yeah. But 
He also did incredible things for his his populist base. Okay. So he was like, hey, uh, I think this was early 1900s, uh, maybe pre-Depression um, era. Okay. So like World War One. Yeah. Okay. If if I remember right, again, I read this a few oh, a while ago. So, um, and and so he was like, "This is what I want to do. I want to make sure that every kid in this state can read. So I'm gonna Hell I'm yeah. gonna tax the rich, and I'm gonna buy fucking school books, and I'm gonna deliver them personally to these school kids so that they can fucking read. Okay. And he nice. like legitimately increased the literacy of the entire state. Through this, like, taxing the rich and providing books to kids. Fuck yeah. Yeah. How's that worked out for Louisiana, by the way? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, he bought them all in French. That was a <laughs> But, like, but then he's also like, well, I'm also going to skim the top off and, like, buy myself a Mercedes. Oh, man. So it was Come like this, on. like, this, this yin-yang of, like, I'm going to, like, enrich the community but i'm also going to enrich myself mm-hmm. or like he was like hey we're all driving on dirt roads i'm going to tax all these fucking oil barons mm-hmm. and i'm going to make us some roads but of course he then made the roads out of like the cheapest possible materials so like seven years later the roads are just in- insanely potholed and cracked and terrible to drive on right but he's like i'm already out of office at that point okay and he did things like where he was at first the governor of Louisiana, and then he ran for Senate of Louisiana. And he was like, I promise I'm not going to do both at the same time. That'd be insane. And then he gets elected and he's like, fuck it, I'm doing both. Isn't that a good... Well, it's probably against the law now. It probably gets a law now yeah. because of because him. Because of him. <laughs> yeah. And like at that time, like the whoever was in charge of of governor and senate was like incredibly corrupt and was controlled by the capitalist system mm-hmm. but because he had such a huge populist base he was able to get elected and able to actually help out the populace but then he was also like oh you're my brother-in-law or you're my cousin like i'm going to give you a, a state job and as the depression starts coming around like everybody's out of work except for those who are loyal to him gotcha and he became such a figure of like had this he had so much power that he would literally just show up with like a stack of bills for the state and be like here pass these and people would pass them wow it would insane power grab and he was assassinated actually oh no way yes okay by who um oh pfft, i forget who it was um some some weirdo JFK. Yeah, and there's also like conspiracy theories surrounding that where like maybe the bodyguard was like tipped off that this assassination was happening, so he like stepped to the side. Oh, like in Malcolm X. Yes. Yeah. So it's uh Kingfish. And if you've ever wondered what it would be like for Donald Trump to also be Bernie Sanders, like <laughs> and if you're interested in populism, like Huey Long is a very interesting character and a lot of his policies you could definitely get behind. Yeah. He's such a. Sounds kind of like a mob boss. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A mob boss who was also like wanting to make his neighborhood nice. Well, that's what mob bosses do. Yeah. Like Tony Soprano is all about like lifting his immediate surroundings up. I've never watched that TV show, by the way. It's. So it was made Uh like far enough into the 2000s 
that I feel like the film quality could have been way better. Mm. Like, there's a grittiness to the show that is, like, almost unwatchable, in my opinion. Mm. And and maybe that's, like, a thing that HBO was doing at the time, like, with filtering and and trying to, like, make it look a certain way. Mm. That's my biggest complaint about the whole fucking Mm. show. It's, like, I hate how it looks on, like, my TV's 10 years old, but, like, (laughs) I hate how it looks on my TV. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so he's he's a really interesting character, and um, for some reason, when I read this book, I think a lot of the people that I follow online also happened to read that book without ever telling anybody, because I started seeing, like, Huey Long memes, or, like, more populist-oriented, uh, like, posts on Twitter, mm-hmm. so it was very strange, because I didn't tell anybody that I was reading this book. Mm. Well, I mean, you well, have maybe such Maybe not ex- from your main account. Yeah, it, it, and how I found out about this book was actually through the majority part with Sam Cedar. Oh, cool! And it was like one of those old like libertarian debates, like from yeah. six years ago. Oh, like yeah. they they still get like recommended, and I still watch them because they're amazing. Right. Um, and it it was the the blonde guy um who's more funny than Sam Cedar. Oh, Jonathan. Yes. Yeah. He w- talked about like Huey Long, and I was like, "Who's that?" I Google it, and there's a book about it. And I'm like, "What? Okay, I'll read it." Nice. Yeah, so I highly recommend this book. Um, six out of seven. You wow, know, it's not life changing. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I would say a seven out of seven is life changing. Uh-huh. This is definitely like super entertaining. Like, definitely informs my politics in some sense, and um, was educational, uh, entertaining, fun to read. And the whole time I'm like, that is exactly like Donald Trump. And then it was like the next sentence, that's exactly like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> so it was super fun. Yeah. Uh, well, what I, I mean, the burning question that I think all of our listeners want to know, what I have to know is what's, why is it called Kingfish? That's what he called himself. Wh- why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's a really fucking weird name. Uh, I, I, I think that's what he called himself, or that's what other people called him. Uh-huh. Um, but he, he was like this person who was very concerned with power, and he was concerned with him having it uh-huh. so that he could use it to enact change. Okay. And uh, he's got a famous quote that is, uh, everyone wears a crown. Or no, everybody is a king, but nobody wears a crown. Mm. Which I think is like exactly where my politics land, where it's like, hey, everybody is sovereign, but nobody's in charge of anybody else. It's yeah. very like anarchist, libertarian, leftist kind of thought. Well, I mean, those are kind of like omnipresent. Those two, or not, but, uh, <laughs> contradictory. Yeah, massively <laughs> contradictory. Um, depends on who you ask, but okay. Ooh. When I typed in kingfish into Google, uh-huh. uh, it said, did you mean king mackerel? <laughs> it, now I'm just looking at a bunch of pictures of mackerel, and it even tells me in the search results the nutrition facts. Oh, wow. Nice. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. For So for 198 grams of uh, king mackerel, which is half a filet, it's 208 calories. Um, when I type in kingfish... I get, yep, King Mackerel. Holy shit. This guy's being, like, you, throttled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Google's whitewashing history. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. With whitefish. 
Yeah, and also uh, three white guys and one white woman wearing a bikini, which wouldn't pass on Twitch. <laughs> Let me try the kingfish. Let me see if we get anything different. Kiwi Long. Boy! Oh, there you go. Yeah, I see him now. Oh, he looks a lot different than I thought he, he would. He served from 1928 to 1932, so yeah, Depression era. Wow. Hmm. In the Rust Belt. That's, yeah. That had to have been tricky. Assassinated in 1935. Oh, and he was like a really smart guy, like just remembered random facts about like people from like podunk towns. Uh-huh. And he also had like a really good rhetoric where he was he was like, yeah, I'm a politician, but like took off my shoe and he's like look it i have holes in my socks and people would be like yeah i have holes in my socks <laughs> yeah it's like yeah you can put on the whole socks with holes in them like in that morning like right like, yeah i don't know <laughs> you could definitely manufacture this like this situation yeah it's it's like that classic like when you see in movies like people put just like a blanket or cloak over their head and now they're hidden. Right. It makes me yeah. think like maybe people were more gullible back then or I I don't I think they're just as gullible now. <laughs> like I don't I don't think that it's more or less. Good I, point. I don't know. That's like a that's the first thing I'll do when I time travel is I'm gonna go back and like put a blanket over my head and see if people are like oh I don't recognize him. <laughs> You'll be burned as a witch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorcery! Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I definitely recommend uh, both you read it and our audience. Let us know what you think. pt.podcasters at gmail.com. Um, I mean, maybe I'm way off here, but I thought it was good. Yeah. I mean, I'll cool. be the judge of that in uh, probably 30 hours. I'll get to it. <laughs> it's, a short, it's a short book, too. You get through it really quick. Cool. Uh, well, thanks... Uh, for all the book recommendations this week, uh, hopefully the listeners, you all, you know, take those to heart, do your homework, uh, come back and give us a book report by going to ptpod.fun, leaving a voice message or going to pt.podcasters at gmail.com and just attaching your book report there. You can even use Google Docs. It's free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, we're talking minimum... Two and a half pages, double spaced. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, College rule. Yeah, we're not monsters. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, 11 point font in New Times Roman. Mm -hmm. MLA format. Yeah. 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 All your sources cited or else we will uh, <laughs> say it's plagiarism and get you in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We will be filing lawsuits in your uh, local jurisdiction. So please include your address <laughs> so we know who, what, which authorities to contact. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, keep your eye out because, uh, I don't know, we might be live streaming on YouTube soon. <laughs> I don't know. I hope so. Yeah, I think it's coming. We're working on it. Yeah, we just got to. I'm going to have to get a haircut and a webcam. <laughs> yeah, we're going to correct the lighting situation in here, too. Yeah. Next upgrade. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been the Part-Time Podcast. My name is Chris. Don't quit your day job. This is Tim. We live for you and we die for you. And this is Addison. If you see a friend, tell a friend.
You have to give like five seconds of silence. Oh, okay. Here's five seconds of silence so that you can um, select the audio of our fan and, and get rid of it. Can we get a yawn out of you so we can get rid of those too? <laughs> <laughs>